in Matthew, and Luke's going to read them for us this morning. So, um, how many have your Bibles? Okay, pull out your Bibles and read along with him. Come on up. And uh, don't just read it here because I may be able to put big things there. I want you to look in the Bible. If you don't have your Bible, follow along here because I promise I didn't put any fake up there. But it's in Matthew chapter 14. So, I mean, skipping the jokes this morning. No, I'll, I'll do a joke. Don't worry. I got jokes. See, he was worried. I was really I, worried, not super excited. Like, oh, we made it. Hey. No, no, no. I was worried. <clears throat> Matthew 14, starting in verse 22. I'm giving you a second to get there. Oh, yeah, you got a phone. All right. Never mind. All right. Matthew 14, starting in verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. <clears throat> but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. All right. Thank you, thank you. I also wanted to add, <clears throat> yesterday was, I think, um, everybody dressed up. I don't know, Isaiah and I were talking, I don't know if it was everyone loved the 20s look, or everybody had the, those things in your closet, I don't know, but it looked really good. Everybody was all looking really sharp, so it was good. A uh, couple couple uh jokes here i don't want to i don't want anyone thinking that you're missing anything here cosmetic surgery used to be such a taboo subject however you can now talk about botox and no one raises an eyebrow i would be very productive but i keep being distracted by two things anything and everything and by the way, if you know me at all, that's very easy to do. Um, I have squirrels a lot. Um, last one. If I had a dollar for every time I got distracted. Man, I could go for some ice cream right now. <laughs> there was a shirt we saw down in Branson. It, it was so perfect for me. But it said, um, um, I, would do, I would do more if I didn't have this ADD. And then it goes dot, dot, dot. How about some ice cream? Dot, dot, you know, and it goes on about like some different things. And I'm like, that's me. So today we're going to be talking about distractions. I know, shocker. After reading <clears throat> Matthew's um, uh, scripture this, uh, in, in Matthew chapter 14 this morning, that may surprise you, but 
Um, we're going to talk about distractions. Normally, this scripture, um, you'll hear sermons about um, God cares for us and difficulties arise, the importance of faith in the midst of the storm, uh, Peter's lack of faith when it really counted, um, different things like that. But I want to focus on the effects of distractions in the life of a Christian. Matthew here in, in the scripture follows um, the feeding of the 5,000 with this story of Jesus walking on the water. And he adds the story of Peter's success and failure as he attempts to do so. And people tend to focus on that. But Jesus um, feeds the 5,000. He sends his disciples to the other side because he wants, he said, I'll dismiss the crowd and you guys go ahead and then he goes to pray. He wants to go spend some quiet time with Christ here, or with God, his Father. He does that alone. He spends alone time with his Father. So if Jesus Christ, side note here, if Jesus himself, every day, if you read through the Scriptures, every day he's going off to be by himself with his Father. If he needed that here on earth, hello, we need it. We probably, you know, should do it more than just once. But mean, meanwhile here, while Jesus is alone praying and talking to his father, <clears throat> the disciples are in a boat far from the shore. The waves are really high. They're being tossed by the heavy winds. It says um, there in uh, <clears throat> the 24th uh, verse there, it says that they're being tossed uh, by the winds, and then there in the 25th, it says, in the fourth watch of the night, and if you look up the fourth watch of the night, it says um, it's about 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. in the morning. So Jesus dismissed them after they fed the 5,000. So you're talking, you know, late evening here after dinner, and then now it's being taught, you know, Jesus is talking about them between 3 and 6 a.m. So the disciples... Uh, are, have been fighting this uh, weather, this bad storm for quite a few hours. Then suddenly Jesus comes to them. <clears throat> He's walking on the water. And the disciples see him and they're stricken with fear. They think they see a ghost. And, and I, I like this. I just put it away. But I like that... Um, Pull up verse 26 for me, will you? It says, you got it? And then when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. I like that. You know what that really means, don't you? They're screaming like little girls because they're scared to death. That's Matthew just worded it very nicely. They cried out in fear. They're screaming because they think it's a ghost. But after all this, um, how else could they explain what they see? I mean, how often do you see, how many like to fish? How many, how many have ever been on a boat at all? Okay. If you're on a boat, you're tossing and turning, you're fighting these, this storm between three and six in the morning, you see someone walking on the water. You're thinking it's something weird. But Jesus comforts them. They're screaming like, Little Mimi's going, you know, and Jesus comforts them, says, take courage. It is I do not be afraid. Now, Peter, 
response. Nobody else. There's 12 of them there, and nobody responds but Peter. So you can give Peter all the flack that you want, but he's the only one that responded. Peter has the courage and the, and the faith to say, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And then the great sermon on the water happens here. You, you don't necessarily always hear, but Jesus goes into this great sermon on faith of how they can trust him. If they just step out on, of the boat and step onto the water, it'll harden like ice and you'll be able to walk straight to him without falling. Is that what he said? It's not what he says, right? Pull up that scripture there for me, will you? Uh, verse 29. Here's his great sermon. So he says, what's it say? Come. That's it, come. That's his sermon. And Peter, at this point, gets up. Now, People knock him for lack of faith afterwards, but I think it takes a lot of faith with that sermon. Come. Because let me tell you, God is telling you to come. Go. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. People say, well, I don't know what to do. He, come. Go. Those are easy commands. Just go do something. Better to do something than nothing. That wasn't part of my sermon. Anyways. But he steps out of the boat. Things are going well until he sees the effects of the wind. Suddenly it occurs to him that being on top of this storm water is not a smart move. He got distracted by Satan. And realistically, Satan used his friends, right? Can you imagine while he's walking on the water what the other 11 are doing? You think they're sitting there going, you go, Peter, you're doing great. That's probably not what they're doing, are they? They're probably going, dude, here comes a wave. Look out. Dude, you're going to die. What is wrong with you? Anyone have friends like that? Anytime you try and step out of the boat and you're doing something for Christ, doing something you're supposed to be doing, you have those negative naysayers. Back here going, I don't know what you're doing. You're going to fail. You're going to fall in, man. I We don't have a lifeboat here. We don't have a little buoy to throw to you. You're done. You can't swim anyways. Right? So that's what happens. The distractions, whatever they are, hit him, and he realized what's going on. The result is that Peter's distracted by the storm and the fears hit him. He's fearful for his life. And as he begins to sink, he cries out to Jesus who reaches down and takes him by the hand and he says, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, some suggest that Peter lost his faith, but I disagree. Jesus refers to him as little faith, not no faith. He had more faith than anybody else in the boat. How many have ever walked on water? Okay, he had more faith than all of us. We can't get out the boat. Some, uh, God wants us to do things, and, and some of you are like this. I, I can't. I can't. I don't know what's going to happen if I step out of my comfort zone. What's, what? Right? So he had faith, but God, uh, Jesus saying, why are you doubting? 
But he answers it because Peter panics because his faith is not yet mature. The winds distracted him. His friends distracted him. And doubt replaced his faith. Distractions prohibit us from learning to know God better. We need to go to Jesus when the waves surround us. See, his problem was when he was distracted, it caused him to take his eye off of Christ. And I'm here to tell you that's the problem in your life. When those distractions hit us, it causes you to take your eye off of Christ and what you're supposed to be doing for him and who you're supposed to be looking at. And I don't care who or what that distraction is. If you take your eye off of Christ, you're going to sink. I haven't done this in a while. Whew, that sounded much better. All right. When we take our eye off of Christ, it's not a good thing. Because we take our eye off of Christ, we go to the world. We go to our friends. We go to other things, and they're not reliable. They're mirages. They're traps. Now, like Peter and the disciples, we too can be dis consumed by distractions in our lives. This distraction leads to worry. Worry leads to doubt. Doubt leads to panic. And even though Jesus never leaves us, we still panic. We still have fear. Many things distract us. Money problems, job worries, family pressures, health concerns, the opinions of others. Each of these brings anxiety as we consider all the undesirable consequences. Now, I looked up the top things that cause us stress. And other than money and family, here's the things. I like this. Number one was change. Isn't that funny? Change. Loneliness. Failure. Rejection. Something bad happening. Getting hurt being judged, or being inadequate. Now, you know what all that is, right? It's fear. Now, let me reread that the way it should be. The list should say fear of change, fear of loneliness, fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of something bad happening, fear of getting hurt, fear of being judged, and fear of being inadequate. And by the way, they have lists of like the top 50. I just picked the top whatever it is, eight, nine. That's sad that we have that many things that we can be fearful of, stressed over, distracted by. Jesus talks about these on the Sermon on the Mount, and they're not much different than they are today. Distractions of life are the same 2,000 years ago as they are today. Now, there's four keys to maintaining your faith in the midst of distraction. The first is ad admit that apart from God's help, you're hopeless. We're inept. Too far many uh, people see ourselves as masters of the universe, capable of conquering anything life has to offer. We try and do it ourselves. You don't know how many times I tell people you're easy target when you're by yourself. We try and do it. Oh, I, I'm just, you know, that's, that's my personality. That's Satan's lie to you. I don't care 
when we try and do it ourselves because I got this, I'll take care of this, I don't want to bother you to pray for me. I don't want to bother God, this is too small for God. That's when we get in trouble. Second thing, understand that God is in control of every situation. There's no distraction from which He cannot deliver you. No worry too great for Him to overcome. So whether money is short, your health is threatened, your job is at risk, or you face family stresses, you can conquer doubt by trusting completely in your Father. The next thing, get to know God better. You will not trust someone you hardly know. You can't do number two if you don't know number three. We can't trust someone that we do not know. You meet a stranger, you're not going to trust them with your life. The more you get to know God, the closer you get to Him, the more you feel His Spirit and you see Him. He talks to you. He walks with you. Or let me, let me change it. Sorry. You talk to Him. You walk with Him. Then we grow. We see His character. We see His love. The last one here will help keep from having distractions. This one is the hardest and the one that people like the least. Stay away and get rid of altogether negative people in our lives. Ouch. I don't care who they are. Satan will use the nicest friends and family to distract you. Negativity will kill you. It will destroy your life. When we get that out of our life, our life changes. We have to cut off negativity. Distractions keep us from our blessings. Distractions keep us from doing what we're supposed to be doing. I read a story. How many are baseball fans? All right. Yogi Berra. the legendary catcher from the New York Yankees in the 50s. He had an amazing career at the plate, offensively and defensively. Some consider him the greatest catcher in the history of baseball. His lifetime batting average was 285, and he had great defensive skills that got him into the Hall of Fame in 1972. Yet as good as uh, a hitter he was, Yogi... Uh, his peers remember him more for his endless chatter during the game, particularly behind the plate. Where he always talked to the opposing batters in order to distract them. Hank Aaron, another Hall of Famer, tells the story about the 1958 World Series with Yogi behind the plate and Hank Aaron up to bat for the Milwaukee Braves. Yogi had been uh, ongoing with his chatter intending to, uh, to motivate his teammates and distract the Milwaukee batters. Now, as Aaron's at the plate, Yogi tried to distract him by saying, Henry, you're holding the bat wrong. You're supposed to hold it where you can read the trademark. Aaron responded by driving the next pitch into the left field bleachers. After he rounded the bases and he's crossing home, Aaron looked at Yogi 
and said, I came to hit, not to read. Now, Yogi knew something about people. He knew that if you could distract them even for a second, make them doubt anything, distract them any way that you could beat them. And it was a perfect thing. It worked on many, many people. It just didn't work on Hank Aaron. What is distracting you from walking on your problems? What's distracting you and causing you to sink? Let's bow our heads. This morning, if you've not accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, you've not accepted him into your life, whether you're watching this morning, you're listening or you're here. It's really simple. All we have to do is accept him into our hearts, ask him to forgive us of all of our sins. And wash everything away. And he does. He comes into our hearts. But we have to take that step. This morning. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't put it off. As we pray, if you've never done it. Just pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this morning. We thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for each and every one of us. And Lord, we come to you as sinners. But we ask you to forgive us of our sins. Take them all away, Lord. All of our past. All of our mistakes. All of our ugly, Lord. Just take it all away. And Lord, we ask you to come into our hearts. Be Lord of our lives. As you take away all of the past and all the ugly, Lord, fill us up with your Holy Spirit and all of your blessings and all of your love and all of your joy and peace and comfort and everything that comes with you. Lord, we thank you and we praise you that we have the ability for eternal life because of your sacrifice. And we accept that this morning in Jesus' name. For the rest of us, the altars are open. And as I asked you, what's distracting you? Or who's distracting you? What's causing you to miss out on your blessing? What's causing you to have that whatever it is in your life? That misery in your life? That problem in your life? What is Satan using to cause you to sink? Whatever it is this morning, the altars are open. And it's time to take authority over Satan and say, I'm sick and tired of that distraction. I'm sick and tired of you winning. I'm going to keep my eye on Christ. As we worship this morning, you can come up and worship or you can talk to Him and get it out of your life. And let's look for the blessings. Let's look for what God has for us.